Welcome to Liberty Chats, produced by members of the Steamboat Institute's Emerging Leaders Council. Thank you for joining us. We talk to a variety of experts, leaders, journalists, and policymakers about our nation's founding principles, why they are still so relevant and essential to preserving freedom for everyone, what specific challenges and threats they face today, and how those founding principles best safeguard and empower everyone's ability, young and old, to attain prosperity and personal happiness. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Liberty Chats podcast, a podcast out of the Steamboat Institute. My name is Erica Anderson, and I'm so excited today to be talking with our guest, Philip Wegman. Thank you so much for joining us, Phil. Well, thanks for having me, Erica. Yeah, well, some of you might recognize Phil's name because he is one of our Tony Blankley fellows, and he is the White House correspondent for Real Clear Politics. Uh, How long have you been in that position, Phil? So I've been at Real Clear since 2019, and Steamboat took a chance on me when I was on the editorial page of the Washington Examiner. So it's been, uh, it's really surprising now to to say that I've been covering the White House going on three years now, but uh, it seems like just the other day I was in Steamboat with with all of you. Yeah, and actually our history goes back even further, I think, uh, to when we were both at the Heritage Foundation. So it's been full circle. (laughs) Very true. I think I was. I think I was an intern there when the uh, the Daily Signal was just getting started. Mm-hmm. Doing, uh, you're doing comms, right? Yep, I was in comms, so I was there too. So, uh, were you at the launch party at the? Uh, I don't know where we did it, but it was oh, a big yeah. launch party. <laughs> back in the day. Back in the day. Well, let's talk about back in the day. Actually, um, I would love to hear a little bit about your career trajectory and how you got to where you are right now. For sure. So. I went to Hillsdale College and I majored in history and political philosophy because like every other liberal arts student, I thought that I was going to grow up to be a lawyer. And thank goodness that I didn't. I think I took a a practice LSAT and realized that uh, if I wanted to get into a good school, I'd have to do a lot of studying my senior year. And I decided against that. Um, And I sort of backed into into journalism um, because I had a class with, with John Miller. I think it was intro to political journalism and then sports writing. And then the semester after that, um, you know, advanced writing and some other things. But I just, I love to write. I I thought it was uh, so much fun. And more than that, though, what I really enjoyed was starting out um, from the premise of knowing what I didn't know, uh, of trying to figure out, okay, what is the question that needs answered? What is it that um, I know we don't have a good answer on just yet. And that answer will lead to all sorts of different implications on X, Y, and Z. And, um, you know, it started out as a radio producer. Uh, I was going to be a, a courts and cops reporter in, uh, in rural Virginia, but I ended up taking a job uh, as a radio producer in DC. Um, and I, can't just, I just kept seeing all of these, uh, you know, reporters and journalists come on the show, whether it was uh, Betsy Woodruff or uh, John Dickerson or Jaymar. Um, and I kept thinking to myself, like they seem like they're having a whole heck of a lot of fun. Um, I need to, I need to, you know, make the plunge and, and get into reporting. Um, there was a job open at the uh, Daily Signal, the Heritage Foundation. Our good friend Rob Louie uh, gave me a call, and I got to work for them for for a little uh, less than a year. Then after that, uh, before the 2016 election, 
Um, I went to work for Tim Carney at the Washington Examiner, where I did some investigative work, uh, and finally, uh, Real Clear Politics. And uh, I think that, so I graduated in 2015, I guess I'm going on seven years, and uh, it feels more like seven months. So I have to ask you this, Hillsdale itself is known as, as conservative leaning, and so are the other outlets you mentioned, including Real Clear Politics. So tell me how you decided to kind of move in that direction rather than something more more mainstream. Uh, well, I'll have to disagree. Otherwise, my, my editor will, will give me all sorts of trouble. Um, you know, I'm real clear. They clearly don't pay me for my opinions. And uh, they take a lot of pride in the fact that the outlet is nonpartisan. We link to both the left and the right. And certainly, um, there's no ideology that influences our, our uh, polling average. Um, so that's straight down the middle, whether it's in the, the stories that I'm pitching or the um, you know, the, the copy that I file. But yeah, um, I don't think anyone would be surprised uh, that I have a conservative perspective on things. And um, I, you know, I went to Hillsdale and I worked in a number of these more conservative outlets. I think some of that was a product of the fact that that's where the opportunity was. Mm-hmm. Uh, the barriers to entry were pretty low. Um, earlier in my career, I worried that working at some of these more right-leaning outlets uh, was going to cause trouble. I thought uh, that that would preclude um, you know, different sourcing opportunities that folks wouldn't talk to you. And, and to an extent, um, you know, that's just, that comes with the landscape. I, I'm certain that my colleagues on, on the left probably feel the same way. Uh, but the truth is, when it comes to journalism, new information is king. And I think that uh, what I've been able to do thus far is, you know, when I'm talking to the White House or when I'm talking to any of these Democratic campaigns, they're under no illusions um, that I, you know, rolled out of the senator, the Center for American Progress or that, you know, I'm going to copy and paste like Vox.com. Um, I think that what they know, though, is that, you know, maybe the, the flavor of the question I'm going to ask is more conservative, but the report that I file is going to be uh, fair. And, and, and that's what I think is really lacking um, from journalism today. I mean, no one, no one pays me for, for my media criticism, but I'll, I'll give it a crack. Um, I think that you have a lot of these legacy news outlets that um, are both at once beholden to their subscribers, and yet they still want to carry on as if they are the objective paper of record. And that's where you get into trouble. Um, you know, perfect objectivity is impossible because we're imperfect human beings. We're always going to bring our own, you know, biases and we're always going to bring our own perspectives. But I think if you acknowledge that you do have a perspective or you acknowledge that you do have some biases, but then you set up guardrails to make certain that you aren't just doing confirmation bias uh, on a daily basis, you, you set up your own guardrails, um, you're you're open and honest with your, your audience about, you know, where you came from or the questions that you asked. Um, and then you make certain that, uh, you know, your own, um, you know, preferences don't flavor the story. Then I think that you're being more honest with your audience. And then I think you're, you're being more audience, more honest with your, your sources. Um, perfect objectivity is not possible, but fairness always is. Yeah. And I, I would swing back um, on your point about real clear politics. I guess I, what I should have said is that, they're one of the few outlets that actually has both sides, which is what we need more of. 
isn't that crazy that such a simple thing is now uh, is now just sort of you know everyone's thinking oh goodness you know what if we did have uh, people on the, the left or the right um, differing perspectives or, or or people talking to one another who actually disagreed I mean I mean I think Erica I'm really interested on your thoughts on this because um, something that, that my friends will tell me uh, it, it happens probably you know once every two or three months someone will send me that old crossfire clip where um, where uh, it's Tucker Carlson is um, he's sort of confronted uh, by um, comedian uh, not John Oliver um, he's from John Stewart Pre- John Stewart thank you yeah and, and John Stewart says to Tucker Carlson and, and his uh, left wing uh, counterpart well, why can't you guys just find areas where you agree aren't you part of the problem Crossfire is terrible because this is just performative hackery. This is what's wrong with politics in America. And on a superficial level, it's kind of true. You've got Team Red versus Team Blue, and there is a little bit of melodrama where each side says the other is the worst. But if you rewind the clock to like you know five, ten years ago, the idea that you would have left and right engage with each other and Maybe it wasn't always good faith. Maybe it was, you know, not even 75% or 50% good faith. Maybe it was just like 30 or 40. But the fact that there was even a kind of dialogue in, in the opinion space um, compared to today, that's that's pretty remarkable. Uh, that doesn't happen today. You go to uh, Fox News or you go to MSNBC uh, for the echo chamber that is going to reinforce your priors. And I think that's something that's truly lacking. And so um, one of the editors at uh, Claire Politics has a, has a really simple line that is easy to sort of gloss over, but um, you know, his, his advice to anyone who tunes, tunes into a, a podcast or reads an article of ours is to go to Real Claire Politics, find something you disagree with, and read it or watch it. <laughs> yes, that's, that is what we need more of. And that reminds me, I think it's so funny that Um, I think when I moved to D.C. way long ago, I won't date myself, Tucker Carlson actually had a show on MSNBC, which is like shocking information (laughs) nowadays as, you know, the big wig at Fox News. You can't believe that he would ever have been on that network. Um, But things have changed for the worse, in my opinion. And of course, you know, at the Steamboat Institute, we are all about that dialogue. That's what we're doing with our Campus Liberty Tours and um, all of the things that we do. We will bring in anyone um, from another perspective that wants to debate and dialogue and talk because I think that's so healthy for American democracy and and for so many issues that we have. Um, you have to tell us a little bit about your experience working in the White House press room. So we have seen you, Phil. We have seen you on TV raising your hand, you know, asking the hard questions of Jen Psaki. So tell us what that experience has been like. It will end before Jen Psaki, I guess you were in there with when Trump was still in there. So what has that been like? And, um, you know, is it nerve wracking when you raise your hand to ask a question when you know it's on national TV? Well, so in both administrations, more and more, I just find myself sort of being not frustrated with the administration during those briefings but being frustrated with other reporters for asking the same question again and again and again. And obviously, you know, there are great reporters in there. I appreciate, you know, a lot of my colleagues. Um, and I'm certain, you know, you and I could sit here and come up with a, a pretty decent list of, of folks who I think do the job pretty well. Um, but something that is tiresome is when you hear the same question, question 
ass again, but just a different outlet and maybe um, a little bit of a, a different premise. Or worse than that, um, some of these larger outlets asking questions as if they were perfectly reasonable and there was no other perspective. And, uh, and just not even acknowledging that perhaps, um, you know, the, the premise of the question reflects not, not you know, mainstream um, thought. And I think that's really, you know, a disservice. And that's why, you know, a lot of folks who were really surprised by Donald Trump in 2016 mm-hmm. are likely going to be really surprised in 2022 or 2024. But anyway, um, yeah, I just raised my hand, uh, keep raising it, hope that uh, I, I can get... Um, you know, uh, Jen's attention or Kaylee's attention. Uh, it, it was funny though. Um, earlier this uh, this month, um, President Biden he had his second uh, press conference, and I was lucky enough to be in both the first and the second um, press conference. You know, this White House they're much more uh, scripted when it comes to their comm strategy. They're really disciplined. Um, the president isn't going to just shoot from the hip. Uh, like like Donald Trump did, um, it's much more regimented. So, um, you know, whenever I've been able to ask him a question, uh, it's not be, been because I've been on a list. It's been because I've sort of, I don't know, maybe maybe boxed the system a little bit. Um, and so I always try to make eye contact and raise my hand or, or like uh, get his attention. But this last press conference, um, I asked him a question that kind of got under his skin. Um, I started asking him about his Georgia speech specifically his comparison of Republicans who opposed his voting reforms uh, to Bull Connor and Jeffrey, Jefferson Davis and others. And the, the, the point of the question was I was trying to, to pivot and ask, how do you expect to work with those same Republicans now when they feel aggrieved? Um, but, uh, but before uh, before I could finish my question, uh, the president sort of erupted at me and, and yelled a little bit, uh, sort of insinuated that I should go back and, and read and that maybe I couldn't read. But anyway, uh, I walked out of uh, that that press briefing, um, and my thought was, "Wow, both presidents that I've covered have, have ended up yelling at me. Um, am I either doing something uh, something right or something terribly terribly wrong?" So I think you're doing something right because you're asking hard questions, which is the whole point of having you know people reporting directly from the White House. So, um, have so. have you enjoyed um, covering one or the other more, or are they just very different? Um, the barriers to entry at the Trump White House were lower because they were more entrepreneurial and that if you had an idea and you could push an angle through three or four um, you know, administration officials, chances were good that was going to get back to the president or his inner circle. So if you pushed um, again and again and again, hey, someone should write a profile on Ivanka Trump and see if her pivot towards populism is real if she actually cares about flyover country or it's just uh you know good pr for someone who who really is the elite of the elite i mean this is someone who um comes from power zip codes who went to a a power um elite university who you know inherited massive wealth you know when she talks about american carnage does she mean it when she talks about you know these internship programs these training programs does she really mean it um we should sit down and have a conversation with her and sort of uh, starting that drumbeat again and again and again, um, eventually it would get you somewhere. And so uh, I was able to interview and you know, profile Ivanka. I was able to sit down with Trump in the Oval Office, uh, Pence on Air Force Two. 
Um, and then, you know, write some stories that the previous administration was not happy with. I mean, frankly, um, it was a target-rich environment. With this administration, um, with, with Biden, it's much more uh, regimented and they're, they're more professional in sort of the DC sense mm-hmm. in that um, if they're going to leak, they're going to leak in pursuit of a common goal. They're all on the same page. Uh, but one thing I'll say about uh, Jen Psaki, who I really appreciate, I really appreciate the current press secretary uh, because, you know, I know that my audience might not completely agree with her. I know that, um, you know, my friends and family might not completely agree with her on everything, but I appreciate that she is unafraid uh, to come to an outlet like Real Clear Politics, which is not going to ask a generic run-of-the-mill question. And I appreciate that, um, you know, when she sees you raising your hand, uh, not just, you know, here or there, but, you know, keeping it up constantly. When she sees, you know, the, the, the dozen or so emails that you send every single day looking for an answer. I think Saki, which is different from some of her Obama era colleagues, is she appreciates hustle. Um, and if she sees someone hustling, she's going to interact and, and respond. And I think the Obama era folks were, were more of the opinion, at least according to you know the other journalists that I've spoken to who covered them, they were of the opinion, well, we talked to the Washington Post, the New York Times, and uh, you know we left the Wall Street Journal on red, and we talked to a couple of networks. That's the story. That's fine. Mm-hmm. We don't we don't need to engage. Um, this White House, not so much. And I think that flows from from Biden, who is is more um, you know slightly uh, more more populist in that sense, maybe um, less less elitist. Uh, but but yeah, I mean. If, if you like every answer a flack gives you and you're a journalist, well, you're not a journalist anymore. You're, right. you're, you're uh, an advocate. You're, you're involved in advocacy. And certainly I've disagreed with both Kaylee and Jen. But I will say, um, I guess to sum up the difference, uh, one was like the Wild West. Uh, the other is more like we work. Yeah, I think we can all understand that. Having gone through <laughs> four years of Trump and now a couple of years of Biden. Well, Phil, I feel like we could talk about so many things, but we have come to the end of our time. So thank you so much for giving us a little peek inside your world at the White House. I'm sure there's probably a lot of very serious uh, press conferences coming up over the next few days, given what's going on in the world. Um, And for those listening, thank you so much. If you're enjoying the podcast, please leave us a rating review and share. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to today's Liberty Chat. I'm Erica Anderson, the producer of the podcast. Our podcast editor is Fingers Malloy. My co-producers include Charlotte Whalen, Zachary Rogers, Lindsay Martin, and Christina Eastman, all members of the Steamboat Institute's Emerging Leaders Council, who represent the next generation of free market, free speech leadership. We hope you tune in again for our next Liberty Chat episode. Wanna be free, I wanna be free, wanna be free, yeah.